0: Chapter Sixteen of When a Man Marries by Mary Roberts Rinehart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I face Flanagan. Dinner waited that night while everybody went to the coal cellar and stared at the hole in the wall and watched while Max took a tracing of it and of some footprints in the coal dust on the other side. I did not go. I went to the library with the guilty watch in the fold of my gown and found Mr. Haberson there staring through the february gloom at the blank wall of the next house and quite unconscious of the reporter with a drawing-pad just below him in the areaway. i went over and closed the shutters before his very eyes but even then he did not move will you be good enough to turn around i demanded at last oh he said wheeling are you here There wasn't any reply to that, so I took the watch and placed it on the library table between us. The effect was all that I had hoped. He stared at it for an instant, then at me, and with his hand outstretched for it, stopped. "'Where did you find it?' he asked. I couldn't understand his expression. He looked embarrassed, but not at all afraid. "'I think you know Mr. Haberson,' I retorted. "'I wish I did.' you opened it yes we stood looking at each other across the table it was his glance that wavered about the picture of you he said at last you see down there in south america a fellow hasn't much to do in the evenings and a uh, a chum of mine and i we were awfully down on what we call plutocrats the the leisure classes and when that picture of yours came in the paper, we had—we had an argument. He said— He stopped. What did he say? Well, he said it was the picture of an empty-faced society girl. Oh! I exclaimed. I—I I maintained there were possibilities in the face. He put both hands on the table, and bending forward, looked down at me. Well, I was a fool, I admit. I said your eyes were kind and candid, in spite of that haughty mouth. You see, I said I was a fool. I think you are exceedingly rude, I managed finally. If you want to know where I found your watch, it was down in the coal cellar. And if you admit you are an idiot, I am not. I—I know all about Bella's bracelet and the board on the roof and— oh if you would only leave anne's necklace on the coal or somewhere and get away my voice got beyond me then and i dropped into a chair and covered my face i could feel him staring at the back of my head well i'll be something or other he said finally and then he turned on his heel and went out by the time i got my eyes dry yes i was crying i always do when i'm angry I heard Jim coming downstairs, and I tucked the watch out of sight. Would any one have foreseen the trouble that watch would make? Jim was sulky. He dropped into a chair and stretched out his legs, looking gloomily at nothing. Then he got up and ambled into the den, closing the door behind him without having spoken a word. It was more than human nature could stand. When I went into the den, he was stretched on the Davenport— with his face buried in the cushions he looked absolutely wilted and every line of him was drooping go on out kit he said in a smothered voice be a good girl and don't follow me around you are shameless i gasped follow you when you are hung around my neck like a like a millstone was what i wanted to say but i couldn't think of it He turned over and looked up from his cushions like an ill-treated and suffering cherub. "'I'm done for, Kit,' he groaned. Bella went up to the studio after we left and investigated that corner. "'What did she find? The necklace?' I asked eagerly. He was too wretched to notice this. "'No, that picture of you that I did last winter.' she is crazy she says she is going upstairs and sit in takahiro's room and take smallpox and die fiddlesticks i said rudely and somebody hammered on the door and opened it pardon me for disturbing you bella said in her best dear me i'm glad i knocked manner but flanagan says the dinner has not come good lord jim exclaimed i forgot to order the confounded dinner it was eight o'clock by that time and as it took an hour at least after telephoning the order everybody looked blank when they heard the entire family except mr haverson who had not appeared again escorted jim to the telephone and hung around hungrily suggesting new dishes every minute and then he couldn't raise central it was fifteen minutes before we gave up and stood staring at one another, despairingly. "'Call out a window and get one of those infernal reporters to do something useful for once,' Max suggested. But he was indignantly hushed. We would have starved first. Jim was peering into the transmitter and knocking the receiver against his hand like a watch that had stopped. But nothing happened. Flanagan reported a box of breakfast food, two lemons and a pineapple cheese a combination that didn't seem to lend itself to anything we went back to the dining-room from sheer force of habit and sat around the table and looked at the lemonade Flanagan had made Anne would talk about the salad her last cook had concocted and max told about a little town in connecticut where the restaurant-keeper smokes a corn-cob pipe while he cooks the most luscious fried clams in america and aunt selina related that in her family they had a recipe for chicken smothered in cream and then we sipped the weak lemonade and nibbled at the cheese to change this grit on martyrdom dallas said finally where's Haberson? still looking for his watch watch everyone said it in a different tone sure he responded says his watch was taken last night from the studio Better get him down to take a squirt at the telephone. Likely he can fix it. Flanagan was beside me with the cheese, and at that moment I felt Mr. Haberson's stolen watch slip out of my girdle, slide greasily across my lap, and clatter to the floor. Flanagan stooped, but luckily it had gone under the table. To have had it picked up, to have had to explain how I got it, to see them try to ignore my picture pasted in it, oh it was impossible i put my foot over it drop something dallas asked perfunctorily rising flanagan was still half kneeling a fork i said as easily as i could and the conversation went on but flanagan knew and i knew he knew he watched my every movement like a hawk after that standing just behind my chair i dropped my useless napkin To have it whirled up before it reached the floor. I said to Betty that my shoe-buckle was loose, and actually got the watch in my hand, only to let it slip at the critical moment. Then they all got up and went sadly back to the library, and Flanagan and I faced each other. Flanagan was not a handsome man at any time, though up to then he had at least been amicable, but now as i stood with my hand on the back of my chair his face grew suddenly menacing the silence was absolute i was the guiltiest wretch alive and opposite me the law towered and glowered and held the yellow remnant of a pineapple cheese and in the silence that wretched watch lay and ticked and ticked and ticked then Flanagan creaked over and closed the door into the hall came back picked up the watch, and looked at it. "'You're unlucky, I'm thinking,' he said finally. "'You've got the nerve all right, but you ain't cute enough.' "'I don't know what you mean,' I quavered. "'Give me that watch to return to Mr. Haberson.' "'Not on your life,' he retorted easily. "'I give it back myself, like I did the bracelet, and—like I'm going to give back the necklace, if you'll act like a sensible little girl.' "'I could only choke.' it's foolish any way you look at it he persisted here you are lots of friends folks that think you're all right why i reckon there isn't one of them that wouldn't lend you money if you needed it so bad will you be still i said furiously mr Haberson left that watch with me an hour ago get him and he will tell you so himself of course he would Flanagan conceded, looking at me with grudging approval. He wouldn't be what I think he is if he didn't lie up and down for you. There were voices in the hall. Flanagan came closer. An hour ago, you say? And he told me it was gone this morning. It's a losing game, miss. I'll give you twenty-four hours, and then— The necklace, if you please, miss. End of chapter 16